Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read the entire chapter. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than they ought to think. Think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So tonight, gifts governed by love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word tonight. And we pray that as we look into the word of God, that you'd help us, instruct us, challenge us. And you may be glorified and we might be helped. You pray for those that are sick tonight, many out sick. We pray that you bring healing and strength and encourage them. Minister their needs, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this passage is very practical. It really starts the practical section of the book of Romans. And, of course, he talks about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Um, and again, that's a living, one that's active, breathing, working, serving. And this, of course, is our reasonable service. God never asks things that are unreasonable. We may not consider them easy, but they're all possible. They're all possible. Uh, and they're all easy if we are yielded and willing and desirous to please the Lord and walking with the Spirit of God. You know, the difficulty comes when we don't want to obey God and, and we resist His leading. That's when the difficulty comes. Otherwise, those things are reasonable. And we all struggle with, those, with that, thing, that very thing. It's a struggle that we continually have and will have in this flesh. But, but we, it, it should not be. And then he says in verse 3, and this is really the crux of the matter, I think, that we ought not to think 
more highly than he ought to think. You know, and he says, you know, For I say unto you through the grace given unto me, that to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Of course, to think highly is to think more highly of oneself than is proper. Uh, we're to, of course, think soberly, have a modern estimate, estimate upon oneself, uh, think serious about oneself. We talked about what that kind of really means in Titus chapter 2 and verse Sunday morning. You know, marked by seriousness, gravity, uh, solemnity, you know, and again, it's not, it's the opposite of pride and all that sort of thing. And so, and we've all been given a measure, we've been given a determined extent or portion of faith, and uh, we're to grow in that faith. And, and then he talks about some gifts uh, in the body of Christ, and uh, uh you know the, the word office has the idea of thing done, things done. Uh, verse four: For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, not everyone has the same function. We're not. We're not. We're all different. We have different personalities. We have different gifts and abilities, and and so and and that all those things are of the Lord, and God desires that He use we use those things He has given us. For his glory and for his honor, uh, you know, a gift is is, is uh, in verse six is having then gifts differing. The word gift means a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. You know, God gives us gifts that we didn't earn it any more than we earned salvation. We didn't earn them. It's things that God gives, and, and of course, if you go over to First Corinthians chapter twelve, and it says the Spirit gives the gifts severally as He wills. So it's not of us, it's of the Lord. You know, Peter was chosen to be apostle to the, to the Jews. Paul was chosen to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Those are things that God gave to each one. Uh, Peter was chosen to be the first pastor after the Lord Jesus Christ, and so on. So those are a gift. In everyday practicing or exercising of those abilities which God has given us are to be governed by love. They're governed by love. Uh, the use of gifts is to be governed by love. This is, of course, very clear in the scriptures. You know, First Corinthians thirteen, and just read a few verses there. But it says in verse one, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all understand and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And then he goes on and describes what charity is. So all these gifts, and of course that follows chapter 12, talks about the gifts to the body, Christ, the church. So these gifts are to be governed by love. Uh, we know that love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And so we see the rest of the chapter then, verses 9 through the end of the chapter, describe for us these things about love. And love, first of all, is practical. In verse 9, he says, Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without dissimulation. Now, the word dissimulation means unfeigned, undisguised, uh, means real, genuine. You know, it should be a love that's evident. It's evident. 
First Peter 1, 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Unfeigned love of the brethren. See, you love one another with your heart fervently. James 3, 17 says, The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality, and then it goes on and says, without hypocrisy. And really, the idea of unfeigned means real, genuine, without hypocrisy. There's no hypocrisy in it. And so, you know, we see that example of that in, in, uh, in, in, our, in our, our God, for God so loved the world. In other words, he just didn't say it. He demonstrated it. It was real. It was, it was practical. God commendeth his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this, was, this is unfeigned love. And real unfeigned love looks like, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he goes on and describes it for us when he says, Charity suffereth long in his kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Now, we can read all those things, and we can say all those things. We don't always do them. We don't always do them. But if we're going to have unfeigned love that's without dissimulation, those are things that we need to grasp and do. And so, love is practical. It's, it should be a part of everyday living, if it's genuine, if it's real. Uh, love is also pure. If you go back to Romans chapter 9, or 12, I'm sorry, in verse 9, he says there, Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. First John, or third John 1 John 1.11, he said, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And we know that love is of God, and everyone one loveth God, knoweth God, and uh, for he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And again, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 and 6, It doth not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not our own, it is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, so it, it doesn't question you, your intentions, so it don't think evil, it does not rejoice in iniquity, and it, but it rejoices in truth. It, does, it, does, it rejoices in truth. You know, the Bible says fools make a mockery at sin. But among the wise there is favor, Proverbs tells us. So, it's pure. 1 Peter 1, 22, again, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through, un- through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. And, of course, if it's fervent, it'll be, it'll be demonstrated. Uh, it'll be unfeigned. Uh, so, love is practical. Love is pure. And then we see love's preference in verse 10. It says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brother love, in honor preferring one another. Uh, the honor preferring here means to value with deference or reverence, to go before and show the way, to go before and lead, to go before as a leader. So it's one going before another as an example of deference. You know, the word in honor means showing value or worth. Showing value or worth. So, love is to honor or, and preferring one another. That's, that's what love does. Now, you know, so often we think this 
uh, for the wife and the marriage. You know, she's to be under the authority and she's to honor her husband. She's to reverence her husband and all and, and that. And, and that is true. That is true. We know that's true in the Bible. However, we see this also demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the Lord. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> Luke 22 and verse uh, 24 says, And there also was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, you know, it sounds like little boys playing the king in the mountain or, you know, comparing themselves with themselves and how their dad's better than their, you know, my dad's better than your dad and, you know, so and so forth. You know, of course, we adult men never, you know, get like that, right? Anyway, and he said unto them, verse 25, the king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be the younger as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but, among, as, but I as among you as he that serveth. Here I am, I'm the Lord, and I as the greatest among you am also the greatest servant. I'm the greatest servant. That's what he's saying. And, and he, he gives an example of that in John chapter 13. And John 13, uh, we'll read verses 12 through verse 17. John 13. So after he'd washed, you know, again, just to set the stage here, the context. So anytime a guest came to a house, there was almost always a servant that was appointed to take a wash basin and towels or whatever, you know, because they're walking through dusty streets. So when you, if, you were, if you were a guest at somebody's house back in those days and you came, came in and sat down, there'd be a, you know, typically the custom was there'd be a servant there to come around with a wash basin and wash your feet, wash the dust off your feet and dry your feet. Now, I heard one, one guy say one time, you know, I can imagine all the disciples walking in that upper room and walking in, seeing the basin and the towel and thinking, uh, oh, not me, somebody else do that. And next come in and say, oh, not me, uh, somebody else do that. And they all went in, sit down. And notice, you know, Jesus took the basin and the towel. And he says in verse 12, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord. You say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example you should do as I have done to you. Verily away I say unto you, that servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, what's the next word? Happy are ye if you do them. Happy. So here Jesus 
made himself the servant of them all and washed their feet. He was, what he was really doing is honoring them, honoring them above himself. He was honoring them above himself. The, 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 what we would consider the inferior or the, the lower of you know, uh, authority rank, which they were, but yet he's honoring them. Honoring them. And made himself, and re- you know, that's what Philippians 2 says, made himself no reputation, took upon him the firm of the servant, and made the likeness of men, became immediate unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, we have another example of this. Go to Ruth chapter Ruth chapter 2 and Ruth chapter 2 and see here verse 8 then said Boaz unto Ruth hearest thou not my daughter go not to glean another field neither go from hence but abide here fast by my maidens let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap Go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? When thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since thou dost the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and, un- and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou hast come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. She called him Lord. And really that's what he is to her. But let's go on. Um, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. She did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Now get the picture here. Here's a young lady. She's a foreigner. She's a Moabite. A Moabite's not to enter into the congregation of Israel for ten generations. She had married an Israelite man who had died. So she's widowed, but she will not leave... Naomi, she's come to trust in the God of Israel, so she comes back to the land, and she's been reduced because of the, the, the choices they've made. They've been reduced almost to like begging, gleaning in the fields. How about slave status? Boaz, he's a wealthy landowner. He would have been considered high class in Israel. But he takes notice. He honors her. He honors her. He, he, he gives deference to her 
or shows value to her and is considerate of her and goes out of his way, goes out of his way to give of himself to help provide for her needs. Is it any wonder Ruth loved him? That's the kind of man Boaz was. You know, she's, she's nothing compared to him on the social status. But he wasn't concerned about social status. He was concerned about what was right and what was kind and considerate of another. You know, 1 Peter 3, 7 tells us we give un- honor unto the wife as under the, equal, uh, uh, under the weaker vessel. Of course, again, that means to give deference to praise of which one is judged worthy to be honored. And so, you know, this is, this is what the Romans chapter 12 is telling us here. We're to honor preferring one above another. And so when he says, don't think how highly of yourself than you ought to think. When we don't do this, Really, what we're doing is thinking higher of ourselves than we ought to think. You see, and then we see also here, love is productive. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. For not slothful in business. In other words, willing to work. You know, here, Ruth... Ruth was reduced to poverty. But she just wanted to go sit in the house and wait for people to wait on her. She was going to do what she could. It wouldn't be much. You know, that's, how, that's how people in those kind of conditions were provided for in the days of Israel. When they, when they gleaned the, or when they harvested the field, anything they dropped or any of the corners, they were to let. So that those like Ruth could go out and walk through the field and, 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 and get in the corner where there was some that was missed or, or somebody dropped some grain on the ground and they, they would go around and look for it and pick it up. That was hard work and not very productive. But the Lord said to leave those kind of things for those in this condition. And here Ruth was, she went out to do what she could. Uh, you know, he says here to be fervent, serving the Lord. Again, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We need to be fervent in doing what is pleasing to the Lord. And, and, and of course, love is one of those things. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever thy hand find to do it, do it with, all thy, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Uh, you know, so this is doing what you can, and all that you can. And so we need to be fervent in our love for the Lord. We see also here that love is patient. Notice verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now, the word patient means here to persevere. 
absolutely, emphatically, under misfortunes and trials to hold fast to one's faith in Christ. Now, what does that mean in the context? Well, what it means is this. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. We're supposed to do what's right. And it doesn't matter if you're loved or not. Or you think you're loved, or you're criticized, or whatever. You know, think about it this way. Was Jesus patient with his disciples? He's the Lord. You know, they... You know, he's, he's, he's preparing to go to the cross, and they're bickering about who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? And he did sit down and have a talk with them. But he was patient with them. You know, he had told them multiple times what he was going to do, what, is, what the Father's will was. And they didn't seem to get it. But he was patient with them. Uh, so not, no matter what happened, you know, he was patient. He persevered. He loved them. And he demonstrated that love. 2 Timothy 2.24.25 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive gentle unto all men apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Patient. The idea of enduring. Um, so again, no matter what happens or is done, we must continue to do what is pleasing uh, to the Lord. To do what is right. To love one another with a pure heart, uh, fervently. Then we see also that love provides. Verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. And now, the word distributing here has the idea of communicating to the necessities or providing for one's needs. Paul referred to the Philippians in Philippians 4.15. He said, now you Philippians know also the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia. No church church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. The word necessity has the idea of needs. Acts 28.10 who also honored us with many honors, and when we, were, we departed, they laid at us with such things as were necessary. In other words, they provided for their needs for the trip. Uh, and so, you know, love provides for the necessity of saint. It meets the needs. It meets the needs of others. And we are to be given. It says given to hospitality. That means we need to seek after eagerly earnestly endeavor to acquire. That's what the word given means. And then the hospitality means a disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm and friendly, generous way. But not just strangers. Everyone. You see, we're to be given to this. Not if we're given to. 
not if we're given to. See, love does not give reluctantly. It gives even when not given to. Drop down to verse 17. Love, again, does not recompense evil. Verse 17. Recompense no man evil for evil. Buy things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we're to, you know, again, love, what love does here is provide a blessing instead of recompense. Recompense. So we're to put before people blessing, not cursing or pronouncing evil. Uh, it puts forth sympathy, verse 15. Uh, you know, rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Uh, we're to put forth these things. Uh, you know, there should, there should not be party cliques. Uh, be of the same mind, verse 16. There, there's to, we're to provide things honest, verse 17. Uh, we're to provide for things of peace. If possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, so we can see examples of all these things in the scriptures that, that we are to do, and this is the kind of things that love does. You know, David did not avenge himself of Saul. Though he could have. Though he could have. You know, there are some men that avenge themselves in the Bible. Joab did. Job avenged himself of Abner. Killed Abner. Shed innocent blood. And his blood was shed. Simeon and Levi avenged themselves of Dinah, their sister, that killed all of Shechem and Jacob, and said, "You and Jacob said, you have made me stink." In other words, you made me to be hated and detested amongst the people. A vengeful person is never liked. You know, a vengeful person does the same as has been done to them. Now. I know it's talking about your enemies here. But let's bring it home to our relationships. So when we're not treated the way we think we should be, how do we respond? How do we react? Again, a vengeful person does retaliates. But he says here, avenge not yourselves. Avenge not yourselves. You know, Hebrews twelve fourteen says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Romans 14, 9, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things whereof, wherewith one may edify another. 
Psalm 34, 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. Seek peace and sue it. 1 Peter 3, 11, let them eschew evil. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. That means to go after it. To go after it. You know, if we're going to have peace in our homes, in our church, in our relationships in the world, we have to go after it. And who is it amongst the disciples in the Lord Jesus that went after it? It wasn't Peter. It wasn't James and John. They were called the sons of thunder. It wasn't Judas or Bartholomew or Thomas. It was Jesus. You're in the home. It's we men that have to go after it. It's we husbands that have to go after it. Jesus set the example. You know, it's been brought to my attention that I have been doing that well. I have been doing it. So I went and talked to my best friend. That's Pastor Webb. And he just pointed out that it's us men that have the responsibility. But you know, it's easy to say it. You know, I've told people this stuff. I've preached it myself. But you know what? You can get a burr in your saddle and you don't do what you say you should do. And I haven't treated my wife like I should have. And I'm sorry. Because see, the, the serve of the Lord, it says, must not strive. And it doesn't matter. Well, she did. It does not matter. It does not matter what somebody else does to you. That's not justification to do it back. That's what the Bible says. Really, that's what, the, what we're doing then is we're taking God's place upon ourselves. Avenge not yourself. Rather, give place unto wrath. Vengeance always has to do with wrath, anger. Now, God gets angry, but he never sins. His anger is always just and right. And, and what, what we're doing when we, when we want to take vengeance on a person is take God's place. Take God's place in dealing with somebody else. I'm not saying we should not declare the truth. 
but that's not that's not what that's not what avenging yourselves is about. You know, Jesus, no matter what the disciples did, he would he would take them apart and talk to them about the issues. But they always knew, they always knew he loved them. You see, our love, and that's really what, you know, this, this verse has been in my mind all day. I wasn't really planning to preach this, but when, from the time I get up this morning, I cannot get this verse out of my mind. Let love be without dissimulation. In other words, it should not be feigned or just something that's said. It should be something that's seen. Something that's seen. It should be something that's evident. By the way you respond, even to those that offend you. Now, I said at the beginning that this says we're to beseech, we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. And what I'm telling you is contrary to your human nature. It's contrary to my human nature. That's why I have a problem with it. But God says it's reasonable. That means he can give us the grace and the ability to do it. He can. But it goes back to we must not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. You see, I get this idea sometimes why should I be offended? I mean, after all, I'm the husband. I'm the head of the house. That's thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. No. We'd give honor. That's what Jesus did. He gave honor. He gave honor to those that were under his authority. He preferred them over himself. He preferred us so much that he died for us. And is that not how we are commanded to love our wives? Is that not how we're commanded to love one another? With a pure heart, fervently? It is. And that's what it is. Love without simulation. So we are to love one another with a pure heart fervently, without dissimulation. May the Lord give us strength, wisdom, and the grace needed to do that which he commands us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. 
for your love and your mercies for us. Thank you. You are a merciful God. And gracious and loving, you never give up on us. Helping us through our times of stubbornness. Father, I pray that you'd help me and every one of us to love one another as we ought. You might be glorified in our families, in our church. That we might be known, just as your Lord, our Lord said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. We have love one for another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.